This is Shane Gibson's Sales Podcast for Complex Sales Training Part 2. The last session what we talked about was the various power players in most complex sales models or networks. As we look at these core power players, let's just quickly review who they were. Our navigator. This is an individual who directs or plots a course carefully and safely. This is the one who often will orientate us within the corporation we're selling into. They typically won't sell for us, but they'll often help us navigate our way through pitfalls, social situations, as well as understanding the buy-in or the RFP process. Then we had the ruler, which is an individual or group of people who rules, commands, controls, or exercises authorities. This is typically the check writer or individuals who approve a deal. Then we had our users. This is a person who performs an action or job with something. This is the end user for your product or service, or this could be a person responsible for implementing what you're selling. So for instance, if you had an IT solution, they may be responsible for implementing the application of that throughout the whole corporation. Our protector is just that, a protector. It's a person who defends from trouble, harm or loss within the corporation. This is legal departments, R&D departments, finance departments typically. Our opposer is a person who is against something in speech or action who resists strongly. This particular opposer is someone who often is against our solution or our idea or us as individuals for emotional or personal reasons, not often grounded in corporate reasons. It may even be a philosophical reason why they're against you. Then our contributor is a person that supplies ideas or opinions and often can influence the rest of the network directly or indirectly on our behalf. So we kind of went over who these people were and how to deal with them to a certain level in the last podcast. I want to introduce some other factors we want to look at when we're dealing with these various personality styles. So a couple of things we want to look at, number one, is we have to understand with each of these individuals, they may be in very different places within the corporation. In other words, one person could be having a lot of success going through promotions, really winning within the organization. Their department may have recently got a lot of funding, for instance, because of their performance. There may be another power player, on the other hand, hasn't won in a while. Maybe they've been moved sideways, they've been horizontally promoted, maybe they're really on the outs with the rest of the organization, or maybe they're just really, really comfortable where they're at and they don't want to make a decision. So one of the first things that I suggest you do when you're dealing with these power players is then identify what situation and circumstance they'll be in. We've got really within our Managing Complex Business Relationship System, which Bill Gibson put together a number of years ago, which most of this podcast is based upon, is really based upon six things. So let's look at situational targeting. We have to understand what situation or circumstance our particular power players are in. So we've got what I call primary opportunity, secondary opportunity, or other, or what I'd call lower opportunity for influence. So our primary opportunity power players are the ones who are going to want to make a change, who our solution will have a direct impact positively on their business or assist them. Primary people typically are either struggling or advancing with the organization. So if you've got a user, for instance, who's struggling, having challenges in the workplace, really it's affecting their career, their ability to do their job, if your solution can help that, often they're open to it. If you've got somebody who's advancing and growing and expanding and moving quickly, often they'll be open to new ideas and concepts. It's going to support the momentum they're in. 
Then the second group of people, we may look at them and say, okay, this particular power player, whether it's a user, protector, navigator, whoever it may be, actually isn't quite struggling or advancing, but they may be reflecting or exiting. So this is someone, a stakeholder, who a reflector is someone who's doing well, Really, there's no major urgency. They're not going through any major turbulence or any major growth in their particular position. They're stable. But from an intellectual perspective or an altruistic perspective, this person actually says, you know what, this particular software solution or this particular engineering solution for our organization, although it's not absolutely necessary, we should really look at this. This may be beneficial to the organization overall. And so this is someone who might not be easily swayed or influenced, but they tend to be open because they're reflecting then really the fourth person would be someone who's exiting. They could be retiring soon, being promoted to move somewhere else within the organization, horizontally, for instance, or moving to a different department, or just leaving the organization overall because they found another job, for instance. So this person, although they might be, you might look at this and say, well, this is not a great candidate for a sales pitch, but in a lot of cases they can be to some degree. One of the reasons why is many of these people may have taken great pride in what they've done and they want to leave a legacy. So the exiters are great people because they kind of want to leave their stamp of approval or leave a good mark on the organization. So this may be something else we want to look at with this particular individual is if they're not struggling and advancing or reflecting but they're exiting, they can also be someone that can get on side. Now the ones are going to be difficult, challenging for us in a lot of cases and may even take a, a deal that looks like an A category opportunity and downgrade it to a B or even a C level opportunity from a sales process is where one or many of the power players fall in the following category. And this is someone who's cruising or orbiting. So a cruiser is really someone who's just that. They're on cruise control. They're really not sure uh, what's really necessary in their life from a sales perspective, why they want to do business with you because they're really comfortable. They'll say things like, well, I don't know if we want to make a change because, you know, our whole team, we've been doing the things the way we've been doing them for the last 10 years and they've worked fine. Why would we want to make a change? Even if they're oblivious to the needs in the marketplace, in a lot of cases, this is why. Is they'll say, you know what, things are fine. Don't rock the boat. We're on cruise control. So this individual is difficult to move. I know a particular client of mine was telling that they offered a solution to a certain level of government here within Canada. And I won't mention what type of product or what level of government. But the person in government looked at them and said, you know what, I know this change is going to be beneficial for my particular ministry. But the reality is, it's just too much work for me personally to make the change. I mean, I know it's beneficial. I know you're going to save us some money. But you know what? We've always done it the other way, and it's worked fine so far, so no thanks. So that's an example of a cruiser. This is a difficult person to move. The sixth one is our orbiter. So as we look at this particular individual, the orbiter tends to be one who's in orbit. They've got a lot of momentum. They're moving whether they have help or not. And in their own mind, they'll say things like, you know what, I don't need assistance with my quality management. We already manufacture fantastic. We understand what we're doing. We don't need any outside consultants. We're the leaders in the industry. This is often what will happen with the over-optimistic orbiter. Now, the reality is, is it's all about timing. 
A cruise or an orbiter with a major change in the marketplace or the economy or in the manufacturing sector, whatever's going on even in their personal career, can quickly move into an exeter or a struggler or even an advancer in the marketplace. So as we look at our power players, why is it it's important to look at this? Is if you're looking at, say for instance, multiple opportunities, you've met the various power players, you've got nine or ten potential deals you could bid on, and you're wondering where the greatest opportunity is. What I would look for is within the power players, who, wh which organization has the highest concentration of power players who are either struggling and advancing, and if not that, at least reflecting or exiting. Remember, those people who are struggling and are advancing tend to be ready to buy in, very interested, they need immediate solutions and ideas, they're open-minded, and they're very now-oriented. As we move down the scale to the cruisers and the, and the orbiters, often they can't see the problem or need. They're closed-minded, they're future-focused, they're not interested, and they're definitely not ready to buy in. So let's look at, I'm going to introduce sort of one more concept here, and then we're going to wrap this up for this session, and then we're going to kind of wrap it all together in tying it into the stages of individual relationship development in the third podcast in the Complex Selling podcast series. So one of the other things we want to look at is within that network is to really make sure where we understand in a complex sale truly where the decision maker is. Often within organizations, there's multiple networks of power players and pseudo power players, individuals who will pretend or purport to have the authority, or we assume they do based upon their title, but they really don't. So when we look at dealing with the decision makers, one of the things we want to look at is where is the decision made? So decision levels will fluctuate based upon the situations or the circumstances. So here's sort of a quick nine questions you might want to ask or look at or factors that will influence where you'll find the decision maker. So for instance, in an organization, the ruler will be found higher up in the organization if there's been a change in executive personnel. In other words, if there's been a lot of shift in executive personnel, often you'll find you have to go higher up to find a decision maker. If your target client their organization is stable in executive personnel. In a lot of cases, you're going to find the decision maker lower down. If the ruler, the ruler will be found higher up in the organization if also it's the organization has an autocratic decision making style. So if you found the decision making style is often made at the top by one individual or a small group of individuals, often that's a good sign you've got to go higher to make a decision. Your ruler is going to be found much higher up, sort of in the C-level executive region. If they have a team decision-making style or a decision-making style by consensus, then typically what you'll find is you can get decisions made for your sale, even a complex sale, larger down, lower down in the totem pole, so to speak. The ruler is found higher up in the organization if they've had no experience with you. So you as a salesperson, if they really don't know you, often they're going to pass you up in the organization. What you'll find about middle management is middle management are somewhat risk-averse. They're in essence paid to reduce risk, do things efficiently, and not cause a lot of waves. It's not until we get higher up that often executives are paid to take calculated risks. So if they've got no experience with you, expect that you'll need to go higher up to get a deal done. If they know you well and the organization trusts you, often you lower down, you'll find people will have discretionary use of large budgets. If they do not know your product or service, you'll also find a decision maker higher up. If they've had no experience with your company, you'll find the decision maker is higher up. If they understand and they've got lots of experience with your company or your industry, you'll find that you can get the decision maker lower down. If the transaction affects the entire organization, and this is really key, 
is if what you're proposing only affects a small part of a company or a branch or a few individuals, often you can get access to that budget and a decision will be made lower down. But if it impacts the entire organization strategically, you'll often have to go much higher up in an organization to get that decision made. If there are tight financial times in the marketplace or for that company, you have to go higher up to get a decision. If it's good financial times and the company is doing really well or the marketplace is doing well and there's a lot of optimism, you will find that you can get decision making done quickly and at the lower end. And lastly, if it's a large financial investment, and this is key, is large is always contextual. In other words, to a multinational organization like Coca-Cola, a million dollar advertising contract is just a line item. You can probably get that decision made lower down at a divisional level. If you're dealing with a medium-sized company, a million-dollar decision is groundbreaking. It might take them months, even years, to make that decision. So, But from a context perspective, if that organization considers it a large financial investment, you have to go higher up in the organization to get the decision made. And if they don't consider it a large investment contextually, you'll find you can get that decision made lower down within that organization. So I know this is somewhat complex as far as an approach, but there are many factors we have to look at when we're approaching an organization. You will find that to be an effective complex salesperson, to close the multi-million dollar deals before we're even in the middle of the rapport building and relationship building dance, asking, for, asking questions and asking probing questions and really doing a needs analysis and assessing needs, what we're going to find is that we first need to really map the organization out strategically to truly understand what we're doing. I often relate a complex sale not unlike strategically integrating ourselves into a new community. You look at a large corporation like even a Siemens within North America, they may have 80,000 employees. If you're selling a product or service to that organization, you're in an essence politically entering an entire community. You need to think about it strategically. So that's part two of the complex sales podcast from closingbigger.net. We'll have the next podcast up in a few days. I encourage you as listeners to come to closingbigger.net, enter your comments and questions into this particular entry, and I'll make sure that I'll respond to them in the next podcast. This is Shane Gibson signing off for the Closing Bigger Sales Podcast.